We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, hey, everybody. What's up? It's me, Joey P. Joe Pizzopia. Welcome to the Rotowire DFS podcast sponsored by FanDuel. I'm your host for today. And we got us, uh, well, it's a night game slate. There's a couple day games, but we're not really going to worry too much about that now. There's only two games. You've got to toss them out. They're brutal anyway. Don't you dare think about involving them. But I do want to involve somebody. It's our good friend, Mr. Rotowire himself, Mr. DVR, Derek Van Riper. What's happening, my brother? Hey, happy to be back, Joe. I got the, the new setup, so hopefully everything sounds nice and clean and ready to win some money tomorrow. You always sound pretty. That's the thing. You know, yeah, that's, that's, that's the DVR quality right there. That's what you want. You know, some people like Blu-ray. I still like the DVR. That's where I'm going. You like that? You see what I, I did there? I, I do. I've, I've got a face for podcasts and, and radio. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I got I to gotta be honest with you. I, I, <laughs> there's, there's a lot worse off than you. I've, I've been around this industry for a while, and there's some guys that, you know, I don't know about faces for radio even. I think that would be uh, putting it kindly. But, you know, <laughs> it's about our minds. People want us for our minds, not our bodies here. At the Absolutely. very least. <laughs> so let's. Although, although, if you do want us for our bodies and the ladies you're listening, uh, you can tweet at me at JoePZPS17. And well, not not so much Derek. I think Derek's taken. But uh, yeah. again, I, I, I'm around. So let's talk about the uh, pitching slate. Here we go on uh, Thursday. We got Jacob DeGrom top of the board, 10,600. James Paxson, Hugh Darvish, and Danny Salazar. Those are your real top guys. You're your upper tier. Salazar's been good since his return. He's got a good matchup in terms of being in Tampa and the hitter for, excuse me, the pitcher friendly ballpark. Then you've got James Paxton, who's got eight straight quality starts here. James Paxton is rolling, and for seven hundred dollars more, you got Jacob Degrom, and he is going to be in Philadelphia. So this is kind of an interesting one. I think there's options here. Uh, Darvish in Arizona gives me pause, but. I got to say, between the three guys that I like the most, DeGrom, Paxton, and Salazar, I'm feeling Paxton. I want to keep rolling on this train. He's at home. He's against the Angels. What are your thoughts between these three guys? 
I think for me, like Paxton Degrom is the toss-up in cash, and depending on what stacks you use, maybe you need to save the seven hundred and go down to Paxton. I think the matchup is great. I love that he's at home with Degrom. You got to go on the road to Philly, which can be a tough park to deal with. But that lineup strikes out a lot. Generally, isn't that strong. So I think you're good either way. Uh, Salazar to me still just fits in as a tournament guy. I I don't trust him enough to use him in my cash lineups. I know he's pitched very well each of his last three times out, at least eight strikeouts. Uh, He's closed in on 50 FanDuel points in each of those starts as well, 58 against the Yankees on the 5th of August. So I think Salazar is my preferred option if we're talking GPPs. Paxton just slightly over DeGrom because he's a bit cheaper for cash. But even Paxton and DeGrom are in the mix for GPPs, Joe, because they're not priced up that bad. I mean, No, they're not, especially Paxton. Yeah, if DeGrom were 11.5 and Paxton were high 10s, then maybe that'd be enough to where you'd say, okay, I can't do it. But I think they're both pretty affordable. This happened, I think, last week when Todd and I, and we were talking about this, where there was just no GPP pitchers out there. And we said, look, you know, it's all right to carry some of these guys over here. Are, are you going to, you know, hit that very top tier of these pay lines and the GPP with these guys? Probably not because some one-off lineups are going to go ahead of you because that one guy that nobody really has is going to go past and have a great night. And then the offenses carry you. But, you know, speaking on the one pitcher side, especially, I see no reason why you can't go with that. I agree with you hundred percent on Salazar. Talk about night and day too, because this was a guy who we had high expectations for earlier in the year injuries and then some struggles and it's funny now we're in a spot now where three straight outstanding performances eight or more strikeouts in each three and I'm with you I think Salazar is your number one and potentially only real viable GPP option because Peacock is starting to fade which is not a shock now whether it's a term of being tired or whether it's a part of maybe he's getting figured out a little bit more a little bit more exposure to the league Tanner Rourke's been terrible the only other guy I can make a case for and Sano's been banged up, and I don't know, you know, really Minnesota's kind of falling off now after they trade Jaime Garcia. It's all downhill from Jaime Garcia once he's on, you know, just kind of mail it in. But what about Zach Davies at home? Uh, I know not a big strikeout pitcher, but he's 7,800, and I think if you're doing multiple lineups, this is a guy that can give you 30, and I think four straight quality starts, he's earning my confidence. What are your thoughts on Davies? Getting deep into his starts more recently, it seems like Davies has kind of righted the ship here in the second half after getting roughed up a lot uh, in his first 15 starts this season. Uh, I like Davies as a kind of a, a good floor guy. I think you're, you're probably right in that you're not going to really get the 50-point game from him very often. Those are, are pretty rare, but the 35 to 40 range is certainly possible. Uh, I think if I'm going to go down that far, and I, I don't think I'm going to have enough lineups where I have to tap into these cheaper pitchers, I'm also a little bit tempted by Vince Velasquez. I mean, we know he beats himself up with the walks. He can be a complete disaster. But that's kind of how we talked about Danny Salazar two years ago, too. Mm-hmm. You see those guys both as high-ceiling strikeout guys that when they're on, they can be as good as anybody. So I kind of like Velasquez as the cheapest option on the board that you can think about for a tournament for Thursday. Yeah, I was looking at him as well because that Mets offense is, you know, is very hit or miss and mostly miss. And not to mention the fact that, you know, it's Philadelphia, although home run friendly, is not a huge, not the way he's like ballparks. It's home run friendly, but not run friendly necessarily. So you might get lucky there as an oppo place. Certainly at 6,500, you can go all the way up to the top and make a lot of cases there. You also got Blake Snell on this slate too. How about that? Getting called back up. That was, that didn't take very long with the injury to Cobb. So it looks like he's going to be back up in their rotation there. But the rest of the slate is 
uh, tricky to say the least. I mean, even a guy like Dan Straley, who normally I could make a case for, even with Daniel Murphy probably out of the lineup, I, I can't do it against Washington in Washington. Just not going to go. What are your thoughts on Sonny Gray before we turn the pages on the pitchers here? It's only a $400 discount from Salazar. To me, I don't like it enough to get off of Salazar, but do you think you want to make the case for him at all if you're doing a multi-entry? You know, I think the, the benefit's going to be pretty low ownership. I think we still have this built-in fear of the Blue Jays that we probably shouldn't have. I think they're a good offense, not a great one, and I think this is a spot where you know, Sonny Gray might actually exceed expectations. Just faced the Jays two starts ago, racked up 9Ks. It's a lineup that has some swing and miss in it. Uh, generally, Sonny Gray's been pitching deep into his start, too. That's one of the things I'm always looking for. I'm looking for form in the sense that even when a guy's a little bit off, he can still try to go six innings. That kind of softens the blow if he gives up four earned or something like that. And I think Gray can be pretty solid from the $8,900 price point. Yeah, seven straight quality starts for Gray, too. So you're talking about efficiency. And, and that's what you're looking for. You're looking for pitchers. In a perfect world, you want somebody efficient with strikeout potential. And then the GPP world, you're looking for either somebody who's efficient who can get you the W at the right price or somebody who's got the strikeout potential that, you know, if they don't get the W, they can still return that investment. I, I still agree with you. I'm, I feel like it's a night to pay up, and I know it's going to be chalky for Salazar. But if you want to go down a little bit for Gray – especially if you're playing more than one entry, I, I, I think you're right there. I think this whole built-in old-school fear of Toronto, it's just not there anymore. I mean, there's too many injuries, too many issues. Now let's talk about the other end here, the pitchers you want to target against. You got Kyle Gibson in Milwaukee, sign me up. I don't know, do you have one that's more favorite for you? That one, I think, is at the very top of the list. I think when you, you look at Blake Snell, I think it's easy to get wrapped up in what he could be. He's Back up right now because of the Cobb injury that you mentioned. Brent Honeywell pitched, I think, Monday or Tuesday of this week. So he wasn't. That was the problem. Yeah. He was off the days. Yep. Yeah. So he couldn't make his debut this time through the rotation. If you don't trust Snell enough to use him, and there are deep season long formats where I cut Snell loose, redraft leagues, why not use hitters against him? I mean, use some Cleveland bats against Blake Snell. He walks the world, get himself in trouble. If he falls behind, you're probably going to get some of the lower-end relievers in that Tampa Bay bullpen. So I, I think I like the idea, maybe not going full stack against Blake Snell, but getting at least some exposure to him, probably building around that Brewer stack, uh, and maybe even mixing in some A's against Wade Miley, too. I mean, Wade Miley's one of those guys that, even though he's on the road in a pitcher-friendly environment, I could see uh, Oakland's Chris Davis or uh, some of the right-handed power in that lineup coming through in a home matchup tomorrow night against Wade Miley. Yeah, I got to tell you, I also like some Dodgers against Anthony Banda too, because although Ben is a lefty, and I don't know that might you know mitigate Corey Seager's effect a little bit. The last start was good. It was in San Francisco, though. There's a whole different attitude when you're pitching in Arizona. I think it's a whole other thing. I'd be shocked if he got out of the sixth inning and he get to that bullpen a little bit too. So I think Banda's definitely a guy that I would put on there. All right, let's get over to the offense and start picking apart these guys. Let's hit catcher real fast. At the top of the board here, Yadier Molina finding himself over Gary Sanchez. What does the world come to? Gary Sanchez is no longer one of the top dogs. He's sick in the backseat to Yadier Molina. He's got Marco Estrada, though, and I understand he's been struggling defensively, and maybe that's starting to affect him a little bit at the plate, but 3200 for Sanchez in that ballpark? I don't know, DVR. It sounds like kind of a just you're begging for me to start Sanchez in this one. Absolutely. I think today is a great day to pay up for Sanchez. 3200 is a very fair price. The matchup is against Marco Estrada. 
Estrada's been just awful since I declared him to be a top 30 starting pitcher back in May. He's been like <laughs> bottom. So it was you. You this. did it. Way to go. The, the kiss of death tour has made many stops this year. I have cursed a ton of players. It is remarkable. Like, I, I mean, every time I finally give in on something that I was really hesitant to buy into, the wheel just fall off immediately. The wheels are gone within a start or a handful of well, games. Well, that means you got to stick to your guns, DVR. You got to trust the, trust the process, as they say, as the kids are saying nowadays. Well, with Estrada, it was like two and a half seasons almost in Toronto right. where I was wrong about him. And I said, okay, you know what? I watched him a lot. I thought I knew what he was. He's made some adjustments. He works high in the zone. That's working right now. We got hitters trying to tee off and take uppercut swings. Okay, like this, this is just some kind of anomaly. I'm going to give Estrada the bump. The results merit that. And it's just it's been a complete disaster since that time. So I have no problem at all using Sanchez at 3,200. You know, of course, cost uh, permitting. But when you look at catcher, I, I look at the same handful of guys, I feel like, every time I set a lineup. And usually it's the Houston catchers. Who are the Houston catchers going up against? In this case, it's Carlos Rodon. So, okay, so maybe we don't want to use the Houston catchers uh, on Thursday. But then you look a little further down, you say, all right, well, what's Yasmani Grandal got? Okay, Yasmani Grandal gets Banda at 2,900. That's kind of interesting. Like, I'm, I'm willing to at least consider that but it's probably going to be Austin Barnes starting against the lefty. Right. So you have to kind of play the, the waiting game and see uh, just before lock, you know, which Dodgers catcher it is. Barnes has had a hand injury, so that makes it more complicated. That's the situation I want. I, I want the Dodgers catcher if I'm not paying up for Gary Sanchez, but I'm almost rooting for Austin Barnes to be healthy enough to get that start because he's $500 cheaper. Well, the other thing I would say, too, even though you might not like Rondahl in that game, if he does get it, you know, that start on paper, you have to realize, too, maybe two at-bats, you know, against Banda, and then after that, it's bullpen. So, you know, I think sometimes we get way too into, oh, the lefty-righty, and you got to worry a little bit more about, well, how long is this pitcher going to last? Because what you want is those good quality at-bats against those crappy middle relievers sometimes. And at 2,900, I think that's a, a safe enough gamble that if you get one or two at-bats in that range, Grandal has enough power in that bat to do some damage in Arizona. So uh, all is not lost if Grandal should be the guy. Look, I, I'm, I'm so bummed that my boyfriend Salvador Perez is on the DL right now because that's who I've been rolling with. He's pretty much like how I start lineups. I was like, all right, Sal Perez, and now let's figure it out. And it's, it's been good. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's been a good strategy. All right, let's go over to first base, top of the board here. 4,500, Paul Goldschmidt against you, Darvish. You got Justin Smoke against Gray at 4K. Cody Bellinger in Arizona against Banda. Now, let's talk about this. You know, for the same reasoning, is that price too much here? Uh, I mean, Bellinger's at 32 home runs already. I mean, the guy is... He's so far outperformed my expectations, and my expectations in the Black Book this year had him as the number one guy to make an impact, but I never saw this coming. Like, 32 dingers is just insane, and we're not even in September yet. Would you go with Bellinger, even though the lefty-lefty on paper, just for that potential for these other couple at-bats, maybe to get you know some soft middle relief in there, or is it not a smart play considering you can go down to Encarnacion at 34? Yeah, I think Encarnacion's where I, I want to go, especially in a cash game scenario. Uh, I think a guy like Ryan Healy's kind of interesting for tournaments at 3,000. And Eric Thames, I know it's been uh, kind of disappointing compared to what he was doing back in April. You know, the, the overall body of work over these last three months and change now uh, has been 
more in line with a reasonable expectation. The average is down to 244. He's still drawing some walks, still showing power. And the matchup against Kyle Gibson, let, let's say you don't want to go full Brewer stack, but you want to get cheap exposure. Eric Thames is a very good way to do that. Yeah, I, I would agree with that too. You know, it's he had such an incredible start to the season, and obviously we all know where it went to from there. The other thing I'll keep in mind too, uh, if you want a responsible punt at first base, first base, if Jesus Aguilar is in the lineup, he's gotten a fair amount of playing time of late. That's another guy that I think there's opportunity there for against Gibson. Aguilar does have some pop in that bat. Uh, he's played relatively well. He's getting a little bit more exposure lately. Uh, but that's another one at 2,100. That's a huge lineup builder where you can go up to DeGrom and cash games and feel pretty good about it. Let's go over to the other side of the diamond at third base. Manny Machado, 42 top of the board in Oakland. Justin Turner in Arizona against Banda. Let's talk about Justin Turner for a second. Now, the splits favor him here against Banda, the lefty. What are your thoughts on the 4K price, though, for Justin Turner? You know, I like using Turner on the road and against the lefty. It's just kind of an added bonus. He's got pretty even splits, though. Turner handles righties, and for a while, I think he had a better split against righties than against lefties. 4,000 is okay. I would like him better in the mid threes, you know, but that's just probably splitting hair. Well, I think part of it's the tear is on right now. He's got four home runs in the last three games coming into uh, as we head into Wednesday. Yeah, so you're, you're kind of like buying in at a high point right now relative to his day-to-day sort of value. I don't hate it. I mean, the, the setup is great. Again, the, the park and the pitching matchup for the starter is good. Arizona's bullpen is, you know, kind of whatever to me. It's Archie Bradley's awesome, but what else are you really afraid of in the Arizona bullpen matchup-wise? I wonder on a day like today, if you take a look at someone like Manny Machado, you, know, you, don't, you don't have as many of your elite third basemen out there. You don't have Arenado. Right. You don't have Chris Bryant. Mm-hmm. If you just pay up for Machado at 4,200, he's on the road, so people are going to be less interested in him than they ordinarily would be. It's against Paul Blackburn and a watered-down A's bullpen. That, to me, seems like one of the key building blocks on this Thursday slate of, of the expensive bats. Machado's probably top four, top five for me as far as considerations on this slate. I agree. I don't think the ownership's going to be high on him either. I think Moustakas is in play, too, against Lynn. And I'll tell you what, I think people will be off Jake Lamb, despite you Darvish being on the mound. But let me say this about Jake Lamb. Jake Lamb can hit good pitching. You know, good left-handed pitching? Nah, not so much. But good right-handed pitching, I'll still take my chances with Jake Lamb. And I, and I think that uh, he's earned that for me. By the way, just because we're at third base, i got to throw this out there. Did you see the Kyle Seeger jersey today? That he's going to be wearing the nickname jerseys that are coming out for MLB? I did not see what the Mariners uh, have on his or what he oh. to put on his. Oh, I think he might win. I think he might win. His is Corey's brother. That's Ooh. what it says on the back. So. <laughs> nice. I mean, you got to appreciate the sense of humor, right? Like, that's... That's I how mean, he's known. If, if Corey Seager continues to do what he's done through his first couple seasons in the big leagues, that's that's how Kyle will be remembered. I love it. And he's totally like the older brother, and he's trolling the younger brother. And and of all the ones that I've seen, you know, the Thors and the Cutches and all the ones, you know, I don't like when they just do like Mookie. Everyone calls you Mookie, Mookie Betts. You don't put Mookie on the back, and you're like interesting to me all of a sudden. But Corey's brother, that one, that one stuck out. I had to share. <laughs> so, what what is what does Jed Jerko say on it? His just says Jerko. Oh, it's a jerk store. I was hoping. I was, you know what? If it said jerk store, that'd be even better. I don't know if maybe they gave him slack about that one, but you know, jerk store would have also been good. There's there's a few ones that you could make a case for, but 
uh, you know, I think the whole older brother troll, the younger brother being Corey's brother, I think that's just, that's the end all be all for me on that one there. So um, those that's, are the really good. Yeah. I mean, I, like <laughs> I, I do like Jerko though for, uh, for the Thursday slate, 2,900 is the price. He's home against Jason Hamill. Hamill, when he has off days, is very prone to the long ball. At 2,900, I think Jerko at least makes sense as a tournament play. Now, the one guy I want to mention, too, uh, he wasn't in the lineup. He was on leave for family reasons is Travis Shaw at 33. Now, keep an eye on that because if he should be back and in the lineup, that's another one with a great matchup, lefty-righty against Kyle Gibson. He's in Milwaukee. You make him part of that Milwaukee stack, and people will be off of him because if they're not checking to make sure he's in the lineup, you might have an opportunity there. Um, you know, Obviously, we hope everything's all right, whatever it is he's taken care of, but if he should be back in that lineup, 33 is a great cost savings at third base. Another guy you could throw in there uh, in GPPs or cash games and pay up for some of the more expensive arms that you might need in GPP tonight. All right, let's go over to second base. Jose Altuve, top of the board, 43. Jonathan Scope at 39. Now, you mentioned Machado. What are your thoughts on Scope and the same reasoning here? Yeah, if you could double tap Machado and Scope as your two most expensive bats and then kind of take advantage of the low price on Thames at first base and a couple other cheap guys we've discussed so far, I mean, I think that's a perfectly viable way to build out a lineup. And Jonathan Scope's player that I know uh, Zola wrote about uh, earlier this season, he's basically been a top 50 overall type player, and nobody thinks of him in, in that regard. DFS players maybe do because the salary has been kind of elevated for a while. Um, again, with the Orioles being on the road, I think people tend to shy away from them. But against Paul Blackburn and that bullpen, I, I don't see any real reason to be uh, concerned. Uh, you look a little further down. Are, are you still the kind of player who, who wants to fade Robbie Cano against the lefty? Or do you actually roll him out there against Skaggs, assuming Skaggs only goes four or five innings, knowing that you're going to get a couple swipes at that Halos bullpen. Well, I'm more apt to do it on a night like tonight, Derek, where you have a short slate, where you have less options on the board. You mentioned some of the big third basemen on, on there. Some of the big second basemen are out of commission too. You got Murphy with that hip issue. Uh, you know, Altuve is very costly at 43. I mean, even though you you always love Altuve, if you could fit him in, that's great. But I do believe that for the same reasoning I mentioned going against Banda with some of these guys like Rondal and Bellinger because, you know, he's a five-inning pitcher right now. So, Two at-bats, okay. After that, give me some bullpen, and, and I'm happy. You mentioned Bradley's there. Nobody else really scares me. And then when they you know, end up flipping from the right side and the right matchup now all of a sudden, I think a guy like Cano is an option. I don't think I'd go cash game with Cano. I think I'd rather pay up a little bit more for scope. I think that's probably a, a safer bet. Uh, what are your thoughts on Dozier, too? I know I mentioned Davies, and I do like him, but I'm not thinking you know, Davies is an unhittable guy either. What are your thoughts on him at 39? I think I would be uh, more interested in Dozier than Cano, and it's reflected in, in the prices. Uh, the more I think about Dozier, I mean, the more I keep wondering like what his true baseline is. He had the crazy good second half last season. He's been heating up recently, though. He's got, uh, I think, five home runs now in his last six games heading into Thursday. So some monster games on the ledger. I like that there's the opportunity for him to run a little bit, too. Although... If Manny Pena is catching, the stolen base appeal drops off. But he doesn't you know, make his bread on that. He's a guy that is generally going to be doing a little bit of everything. I love that he leads off. Always uh, pretty fairly priced. And on a shorter slate especially, you know, second base becomes a position you may have to pay up for. Well, if Dozier and Scope are two of the guys to pay up for, if you want some you know, big potential bang for your buck in GPP, I think Forsyth is a safe 
mid-tier option for cash games tonight at 34. Uh, I get him. I keep plugging back here. Another guy with a skill set who has a little pop in the bat. He hasn't hit for a lot of power lately, but he's not a guy that can't hit for power. Uh, he's got a quad A pitcher in there with Banda. And of late, he's been doing a better job against the walks. That's what I want. I want the guys getting on base. That leads to runs. That leads to better at-bats. That means to better... Uh, more hits, more points. That's what I want. And if you look at Forsyth right now, he's got at least a walk in his last five games. He's got two multiple walk games. Forsyth is a guy who I think is trending upward right now, still very cost-effective, so keep that in mind. All right, let's hit shortstop over here. Shortstop, yeah, in a tough, tough place ever since Correa, Turner, all these guys go down. So let's see if we can find somebody here to make it work. Corey Seager with the Tef Lefty matchup. That's not necessarily where we want to go. Let's talk about Lindor at 36, though. Uh, against Snell, to me, I think a much better option of the top guys tonight. Yeah, I think that could definitely work. I think where I'm running into trouble is I'm leaning towards more expensive options at other positions. So I'm going to drop down a lot on that pitching spot or start to go like mid-tier. Well, hey, look no further than Didi, right? I mean, 3100 Didi goes right back down to that soft pricing. He's got the matchup against your boy Estrada. I mean, why not Didi? Yeah, Didi at 3100 and Marcus Semien at 3100 are the, the two, I think, best values overall. Uh, Didi, he's on the road, but he's in Toronto, so it's, it's another hitter-friendly environment. We know Estrada can be prone to the big fly. I would plug in Didi first. Semien is kind of the pivot. I think both are well within reason. Uh, Orlando RC is too low yeah. in the order to hit at 3000 I think he could have a good game against, against Gibson, but it doesn't make as much sense than, as it did when he was flirting around the uh, low $2,000 price range. Well, you know, I'm going to come to the defense of Arcia for one second here. Because it's shortstop and because there's so few options here around that we're talking, well, you got to pay down for DD or maybe somebody else. Arcia, despite being dropped in the order, he has been pretty productive of late regardless. And I'm looking at the opportunity for a fair amount of at-bats and that lineup getting turned over enough where the fact that even if he's hitting lower in the order against a guy like Gibson, I think he'll get the extra at-bat that he might need that he might not get if it were a better pitcher on the mound, in which case I would say, uh, you know, I agree with you 100%. But I think in GPP play, especially Arcia will help you build into getting the Danny Salazar's of the world and some of those guys that we talked about. Anybody else at shortstop that pique your interest before we uh, turn the page on these guys? Uh, you know, Ahmed Rosario is 2300 so if you really get that salary relief, that could be kind of interesting against Velasquez. All right, good old. Uh, what are your thoughts on Rosario so far, having watched him? I mean, certainly a, an athletic kid, uh, certainly, you know, got a ways to grow into his parts, but any early impressions from him? Not really. To be honest, I haven't seen a lot of the Mets in the last week or so. They, uh, they're pretty low on my... My viewing. Well, hey, I'm a Met fan, and they're pretty low on mine sometimes. So I got to be honest with you, Derek. It's it's ugly. It's ugly, but I'm used to it. Uh, you know, I'm looking at him as he fills out. I think he'll be a nice Lindor type of slash line eventually. He'll be in that mold. I don't know if he's a superstar player, but I think certainly a nice piece. So hopefully the future is beginning for us Mets fans. But who knows? All I know is that baseball is here. So don't get stranded out on first base without a Roto-Wire subscription. And don't miss out on this great offer. Make your first deposit on FanDuel today, and you'll get a free six-month Roto-Wire subscription. So go to FanDuel.com slash Roto-Wire to claim it. You must be a new FanDuel user in order to be eligible. And users may only establish one account on FanDuel. That's FanDuel.com slash Roto-Wire. Just in time for football season, eh, DVR, right? Yeah, get ready for football season. It's here. I think week one prices are up. Hell yeah, now it's time. Now we continue 
the outfield, Mike Trout, 5,100. Bryce Harper, 49 against Straley. Giancarlo Stanton, 48. Judge, 46. Cruz, 44. This is your top-tier guys. I got to say, I'm not feeling any of them. Judge has gone quiet. Mike Trout's got Paxton. As much as I love Harper, I don't think he's necessary tonight. I think there's some other opportunities here on the board. So do you feel the same way in terms of the upper tier of Alfield? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to find as many ways to open up cash in the outfield as possible. I'm looking at some of the platoon guys. Brandon Geyer against Blake Snell is only 2,300. Uh, you look at a guy like Keon Broxton, assuming he's in there again against Kyle Gibson. He's another option. If you don't want to go full stack with the Brewers, but you want exposure to Kyle Gibson, a lot of ways Keon Broxton can make value. He's only 2,500 right now. I want to take advantage of this matchup against Gibson and the Twins. Uh, so I'm kind of looking at the two cheap guys as the building blocks, and if there's enough left over, it becomes a matter of which expensive outfielder do I like the absolute most. And I think right now I'm looking at Chris Davis in Oakland matching up against the other Chris Davis and Wade Miley in particular. And even though he's 4,100, that's one of the top plays on my board in the outfield. You know, there's a guy at 4K that I really like, and I can't believe I'm saying this. You know, sometimes you look up at stats of the season and you go, wow, I can't believe this is where we've gotten to. But Chris Taylor, 15 home runs. If he's in the lineup against the lefty tomorrow, which I assume he's going to be, I understand it's 4K, but the guy's just on fire right now. <laughs> the guy's seeing yeah. the ball well. He's hitting for power this year. He's hitting for average. Uh, he's even got a little bit of speed, too. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. And it's funny because George Springer has still been very quiet since he's coming back from the injury. That's a spot where I know he's laying in the weeds, but I'm not there yet. And not at 4K. If he was in the 38 range or 37, then I could say, all right, maybe for $300 of a discount where he usually is, I might feel like getting into the George Springer business of being ahead of the game. But at 4K, I just can't get there. No, I, I, I can't either. Uh, I'm looking at Max Kepler as kind of a mid-range outfielder. I love that he's getting the park boost now uh, in this portion of that interleague series against the Brewers. I'm not quite as high on, as you are on Davies. At least I'm not going to have enough lineups to where Davies is going to be one of my pitchers. So you know, as long as you're not actually throwing Davies, I think Kepler at 3,300 uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, and one PSA to pass along, Jay Bruce has been traded to the Indians. So Ooh. don't play Jay Bruce because he will not accrue points on Thursday. Well, look at that. Well, good. And I bet the Mets got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) They unloaded salary, though. Oh, great. Yeah, because that's what you need to do when you're the second biggest, you know, team in the biggest market in the world. You need to just, you know, cheap out. That's the problem. This this podcast isn't long enough for my pain, Derek. Let me just tell you that. (laughs) Uh, Domingo Santana, another guy I want to highlight as well now that he's healthy and back in the lineup. Uh, love him against Gibson. Love him in that ballpark. Sign me up, man. He had a good night uh, yesterday uh, before we were recording this. Uh, three hits uh, against the Twins. So uh, I'm all in there on Domingo Santana, another guy that I just think that's a perfect spot for him. Uh, anybody else here on the outfield? You mentioned uh, the Bruce trade. You also mentioned uh, Keon Broxton is another guy you get in there. Is there anybody else before we turn the page on today's slate that – you think might be a trap or might be a guy that's worth a look in the lineup? You know, if you can afford it, Nelson Cruz against Tyler Skaggs. Cruz against lefties is pretty much automatic. It's pricey because it always is. Uh, but then in the mid-tier, the other guy along with Kepler that's kind of interesting is Yasiel Puig. I mean, for a guy that has actually exceeded many people's expectations this year and 
was getting so much attention when he was falling short of expectations. We don't talk about him that much. 21 homers, 54 ribbies on the season, uh, entering play Wednesday night, 3,000 flats the price. He gets the band to match up in the park boost at Chase Field. Got to say, I, I like Puig, especially in GPPs. He was the last guy for me to mention. You took it off my plate. Thank you very much. See, that's what we call turning two. That's what we do here, you know, right, right there. That's all you need. And you're right. The numbers are there. The matchup's there against the quad A guy. And it's not to say Band is a bad young pitcher. He's not. He's just green and inefficient, most likely. And in that ballpark, it's just asking a lot for a guy to come in there and be good in that ballpark. Young guy against the, you know, top team in the West to go in there and go through a seven shutout innings of baseball it's possible but unlikely and that's what you're looking for all right you can follow me on twitter at Derek van riper you can follow me at joe pizza 17 for everybody here at rotowire have a great night of daily fantasy everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35 magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.